Welcome to Do A Blessing CNS Church London's podcast, sharing the good news weekly. We hope you are blessed by today's message. Amen. Hallelujah. So let's just go on to, we are having a conversation around the responsibility of the Abrahamic blessings. Responsibilities of the Abrahamic blessings. People sing the song, Abraham's blessings are mine. And what we fail to kind of get in, in some of these things is that there is a responsibility of the Abrahamic blessings. Isaiah 51 talks about that the Bible says now, it says, look unto Abraham your father and Sarah your mother, whom I called alone and I blessed him and increased him. Please notice that when God was talking, he talked about blessed before increased. The sad challenge with the body of Christ has come into is that we measure blessings by your bank account. And the Bible also says in Galatians chapter 3, verse 14, it says, it says that the blessings of Abraham may come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise through the spirit of faith. So what we are saying is that, is that we have access to the blessings. We are partakers of the blessings of Abraham. And when you read Samuel, Samuel clearly says that, you know, now, he says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the path of the sinners, nor sit in the seat of his scorn, but delight in the law of the Lord. Now, please go before me back, please. He said, Blessed is the man who, that is his description. Now, if you go on to this, go on to the next slide, please. He says, He shall, that is what, now, this is the product of what happens to him as a blessed person. The money is not a function, that is not what calls him blessed. The description of being blessed is false that he sits and meditates on the word of God. He does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. May God grant us understanding in Jesus' name. Now, let's, if we go to Genesis now, so this is the blessing that we talk about. Genesis chapter 12, Jesus and God said to Abraham, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. This is the path of God. This is his own responsibility. God is saying, I am not blessing you so that you can know the what my when I when my blessing comes upon you, it and it comes along with a responsibility. It comes along with a responsibility, and you will see it even when Genesis chapter eighteen, not not Exodus, Genesis chapter eighteen, the Bible says that this is what God said, and the Lord says, "Shall I hide?" What from Abraham, what I am doing, since it shall surely become great and a great nation, 
and the nations of the head shall be, shall, shall be blessed in him. For I know, now this is why God is saying, I can't hide anything from Abraham. He said, for I know, he will order that, that sorry, for I know, in, in order that he may order his children, command his children and his household after him to keep the ways of the Lord. So what is God saying is that I am not blessing Abraham. I'm not speaking to Abraham because he is a prayer warrior. He said, no, because I know that he will take out his responsibility. So rather than saying, God bless me, God is saying, when, I, when my blessing comes on you, it, it, it takes along a responsibility to impact others. God said, you know, now, he did not say that, he did not say that Abraham was asking God. God, you know, the Bible says, the verse 18, he says, he says, he says, I would, he said, the Lord said, I sh shall I hide anything from Abraham? When I'm, when I'm hiding things from people, I can't hide anything from Abraham. Why? It's not because of Abraham, but because I know Abraham will pass it on. Abraham will pass it on. May God grant us grace in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, Abraham was, had an attitude before God blessed him and increased him. There was something already in place because before the increase started. When you see this man, there is this man you have, uh, I don't know if you've heard about him, Rockefeller, the Rockefeller family. Now, this man, this is him. You have the father here. This is J.D. Rockefeller. Then you see his generation. In this generation, you have American vice president. You have senators. You have governors. Um, you have a senator. David just died not quite long. And you can see this generation. This one will say that when he died, as at the time he died, he must have given about $990 million out to the needy. Now, Rockefeller himself, that's the, the, the grandfather, can I, the grandfather, he was, if they calculate his net worth now, as of now, his net worth is about 33.36, but then 3.336 billion dollars. Now you may say, why am I saying that? Because you may say, Abraham is rich. No, before Abraham got to reach, there was a part of that. Now, he said this, and he was quoted in Forbes, that he said, Rockefeller, Rockefeller who said, I will never be able to tithe my first $1 million if I never had tithe my first salary, which was £1.50 per week. So, he's saying that, you know, I didn't know, it wasn't because I had so much that I began to give. I'm not talking about tithing, I'm just talking about giving them. That I began to take responsibility in, in making sure other people move forward or the church can bless people. He said, if I did not, some of us are waiting for the time when you get your own first million, million dollars. I say, okay, don't worry. Rockefeller said, no, if I did not start from when I was earning £1.50, 
a week. Then God will not even bring me here. Then is that lifestyle will not get to his grandchildren who are now giving even far more than their grandfather gave. May God grant us understanding in Jesus' name. I'm talking about the responsibility that comes out because at times people are so focused on the blessings of Abraham and forget about responsibilities that God places and calls to that to that um, to that blessing. Proverbs chapter eleven goes. It says, "The one that scatters yet increase, and the ones that withhold more than is right leads to poverty." A generous soul will be made rich. He said, but he who, and he who waters will be waters. He said, with water. Now, the Bible says that the people will cause him who withhold grain. But the blessings will be upon, will be on his head who sells it. Now, we're going on that, but what he's saying is that the way you impact your community or your environment will determine how they would connect what would their response to God, not you, to God? Proverbs 19 says that he says, he says, he who, pity, who has pity on the poor lends to God and he will repay him back what he has given. Now, what is, what is Solomon trying to do is to connect your, your impact in the lives of people God. I'm going to just point out one thing how Jesus started this story. You know, it's about the, the Samaritan man in Luke. Now, he says, a certain lawyer stood up and testified, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, what is eternal life? heaven. And Jesus said, and he said to him, what is written in the law? What is, uh, what is your reading of it? So he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Can I ask you a question? How do you love God with all your strength? Have you ever thought about that? Or is it about that one? That's a energy level. Oh Lord, you are How do you love God with your strengths? And you will see that when Jesus began to give an illustration, he gave an illustration of a man that was coming from the synagogue and got attacked by robbers. And Jesus said, the priests saw him on the road and they were doing, ah, my strength is for God's worship. They've left <laughs> where they should worship God with their strength. They left that day, they walked on to the temple. Jesus now said, a good Samaritan came 
I don't have time to explain, but what Jesus was saying, those that were there understood what he was saying. The Bible says he took that man who was coming from the temple and took him into the town and paid for his treatment and came back. Let me explain what Jesus was saying to you. That man that was coming from the temple, those that were sitting with Jesus knows that that man must be a Jew. A Samaritan is like an Arab. Have you been to, have you heard about the war between Palestine and um, uh, Israel? Now imagine an Palestine carries an injured Israel, Israeli, and now take him into the Israel camp where he cannot talk to say that it is somebody else that injured him. What will happen? That man will not survive. That was what Jesus, that was what Jesus said. That's what Jesus was talking about. He wasn't talking about just any normal human being. Because those that were listening will say that that man went the extra mile. He put his life on the line to save that man. Because if they not enter the camp of the Jews, carry one of them who is dead and put him on the... And the Bible now said, in, Jesus, that was what Jesus said, he now went. He now came back. You know, as if they did not know who the person was, when they were not trying to treat him, that's like, eh? This is a Jew. Can you imagine what will happen if he comes back? They would have said the trial. I said, okay, well done. You, you even have the boldness to come back to us. That was what Jesus was saying when Jesus said, a Samaritan and a Jew. He wasn't talking about just any other any ordinary story. Those that were there would be like, ah, oh, that man was that man was stupid. He, 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 he almost got himself killed. But Jesus was saying, you know, that is the one that when you are talking about contributions towards internal life is because he impacted somebody even when it will cost him his own life. That's what Jesus was saying. May God grant us grace in Jesus' name. Amen. See, the Bible talks in the book of Revelation, the Bible says that the righteous is all, the Bible says that with the righteous people, when they get to heaven, he said their good deeds will follow them. Some people will just only go to heaven with their own briefcase. There is nothing that is for them. Hallelujah. Let's go to the tower, please. Now, he says, now at times, what I'm, I just want to just point out one thing to us. Forget about what you need. It's what Jesus, what God is saying. So, okay, let's go. He says, he says, and thou shalt paddle, have a paddle upon thy, upon thy weapon, and it shall, it, it shall be that when thou, I don't know why they gave you King James, but why thou, it's not even your heart, sorry, hallelujah, is thyself abroad. You shall dig it and you shall turn, turn back and cover it. Basically, what he's saying is that when this is Moses talking, when you want to ease yourself, 
make sure you go there, you dig the ground, and you cover it. Why? So I was going to ask what you did. Why? And he says, this why? Hallelujah. So let's go. He says, for the Lord your God is in the midst of, 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 of thy camp. To deliver you and to give your enemy, and to and and to give up thy enemies before thee. Therefore, thou shalt make the camp holy. It is a clean, holy. What, what am I trying to point out is that. So that means that when the place looked unkept, God was saying it's unholy. That is why there was a day we were having service at our own place. And some people were having prayers. Then I came in. And prayers was going on. I said, let's stop prayers. God is, God is not anywhere close. <laughs> Clear this place once before you pray. Scripture. Holiness. That's why people talk about holiness is next to godliness. Sorry. Cleanness is next to godliness. Amen. Do you know what I'm trying to say? So, why am I trying to point, what am I pointing at this? Is that even things that you think are not spiritual before God, they are. There are someone who was supposed to come to church at the time and she was doing she can't. She couldn't make it because she was doing some things in terms of helping out um, um, some homeless people and things like that. I said, ah, I said, ah, pastor, I've been trying to come to church. And I said, what happened? I said, ah, because I have, I've been doing uh, this thing. That I've joined this group, and you know, it's on Sundays that we go. I said, that is church. That is your own place of service. When you have the opportunity, listen online. God grant us grace in Jesus' name. So, now, when, ex, when, when Israel was leaving Egypt, God said that they should, he said, the children, according to the word, and they should give them articles of silver, gold, and clothing. And they gave them and they were going. Excuse me, when they were going for 40 years, they were in the desert. Where are they going to spend the money? When God gave them the money, where are they going to send? There is no shop right in, in uh, what's it called? If you don't want to shop right, don't worry. Hallelujah. <laughs> but there was one thing that I wanted to point out to you. See, before, when, when you go to Exodus 25, God was already saying to Moses, He said, You will raise an offering and use it to build a temple. But before then, Exodus 32, what happened? They set up a calf. Can I say something to you? Have you had the word, the more money you have, the more problem you see? Yeah. It, is, it is true. And what that means is that money has a way of attracting problems because money gives solutions to them. What that also means is that if you don't have a problem you want to solve with your money, problem will look for you. 
to solve. So if your money has no plan, you always find your things to, to give money to. The point that money has, money is money, um, um, the more money you have and more problems, it's not the problem. The problem is that because you don't have a problem that you can solve that will benefit you, any problem will come and you have to, because money will call problems. Let me know this problem, challenge will come. So because you have no plan for your money, when you are walking past, you say, ah, we should buy this. So because you have no budget, money is already looking for budget to, to go. So before you know it. So why God was telling Moses, money was already looking for a problem. And they use that money to build a calf. The same money that God had, had that had an agenda with God. Does that make sense? So God grant us understanding in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 When, when I was talking to someone last night, I said, every money that comes to this place, God has a number on it. He knows what is going to happen that way. The little thing I've, I've learned in ministry, and I pray for that it would help everybody. God would always meet the need of his ministry. Most of the time, when there's a challenge, it's because we have the money God has allocated for something, we have allocated for another man. Does that make sense? Because when he's running his church, he knows who is coming in, what is going to happen. There was a day when, and, and, and there was a day when where, um, the choir were talking, where they were having a conversation about buying a speaker or something. And so people started contributing. And there was a lady that came to church then, and she just had, we were talking about speaker, and God said, you are going to buy it. So she told him, I said, I saw you. God said, that speaker that they are talking about, I should buy it. Not a problem. So I think we didn't hang her or something like that. I think was it, she came the next Sunday, she was in service. And God was saying, where is the money for the speaker? According to her. So she had to leave service and go and withdraw the money. So when she came, she gave them the money for the speaker. So I was told that they gave the money for the speaker. I said, okay, good. The money that everybody contributed for that speaker, they turned it back. Because the owner of the business has allocated which fund goes where. If people are going to say, don't worry, take the money, tell them the speaker has been bought. This money would be used for something else. Are you okay with that? Because the way, and we have seen it here over and over again. See, every single thing that comes through that door, God has an allocation for it. So, it is, it is, 
You know, we're talking about prison ministry. And we we had um, we had um, sorry, just a moment. I'm sorry, sorry. Um, sorry. So we had um, we had the anniversary, and the prison minister was here, and I was standing at the back, and I felt God was saying to me, "Every money that comes to this place has already has where it's going." Okay, prison ministry. So I was thinking about it, and somebody came to me after my home and said, "Pastor." Um, it looks as if God is saying to me that this money should go to prison. And I said, it's, it's, it's done. Why? Because the money that came in already has, it already has registered. You think that you have to do it. Somebody already has allocation for it. It is spent. Do you know what I'm trying to say? And that is all I'm just saying is that that is the way God, when God commits resources in your hands, he sees it as you are managing something on his behalf. Does that make sense? God help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. See, why I cannot use my money to buy certain things is because I was giving, um, I have response. Sorry, it was, it is given to me. So there are certain things I cannot use my money to buy. Because it is not my, I like now, God. It is, it is, that money already has, if I use God's money to buy something that is ungodly, then that is what is happening. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Now, until we begin to see things like that, it will be a challenge. Matthew chapter 5, let's just, I'm, I'm just, I'm Matthew chapter 5, we're getting, now, I love the message. Now, this is just the same scripture that you read that talks about you are the light of the world and things like that. So, I'm just reading a different fashion for you. The message Bible. Let me tell you why you are here. That is, let me tell you why you are in this world. You are here to be salt seasoning that brings God's flavor to this heart. If you lose your saltiness, how would people be able to taste godliness? you don't impact your community. Tell me how people are supposed to trace who God is. If all we do is within these four walls, how is anybody outside going to ever know that God exists? He says, you you." You have lost your, your usefulness and you will end up in the garbage. Say, here is another way to put it. You are in this world to be light. Bringing God's color into the world. God is not a secret to be kept. You are going public with this. As public as the city on the hill, if you if, if I make you light bearers, you do not think I, 
you do not think I am going to hide you under a bucket, do you? So basically, God is saying, you are the light of the world. So do you think that his agenda for you is just the four corners of the church? How are you good? How are you going to light up the world from here? If you would not impact your community, if you would not, if you would not do something that will bring somebody up, how would they be able to taste that this is how God looks like? I've said it over and over again. We have gotten something wrong where we call pastors people in ministry. The Bible never said that. Ephesians chapter 4 says that pastors, prophets are supposed to equip the people so that they can do the work of ministry. People outside there are the ones doing ministry. Here are those who are equipping them. May God help us in Jesus' name. Colossians chapter 3. He says, Whatever you do, do it heartily as though you are doing to the Lord and not to men. That's why I have a bit of challenge when people lie at work to come to church. Because if this is right, you lie to God to come and worship God. Does that make sense? I know, I know it's a lot that we like, but I'm using these scriptures. You know, like what we're talking about, what you're saying in testimonies, is that when you see your workplace, your career, as your own pulpit and your own field, I was talking to a guy who was who was who was serving who was serving at a bit of policy development and a lower a lower a bit lower level of cabinet when Gordon Brown was in power. He's a Niger guy, so we're talking, and he was struggling because people did not see what he was doing as a ministry. And he said, at night, he said, at times I would be praying. And he said, Bio, God will be showing me how to walk the way forward for the educational system. So as to make sure the black kids don't have this continuous setback. Unfortunately, God ever went to say, he has to say, he was booted out of office. For the paperwork was developed by a servant of God on the altar of prayer. If we, that's why I was saying to say anonymous, when I anointed Joshua here, the reason why I anointed him is that, see, there are people who are supposed to be anointed and are supposed to be walking outside. If, can you, the question is, he was able to finish that project. Do you think that your prayer point to church will not reduce? Because your ch- children will have better opportunities. The reason why we are praying forever in church is because we have refused to send people out for ministry. We are always telling everybody, do ministry here. This is ministry. 
I like how I, for example, I was talking about Gatulu, I would have given him <laughs> uh, one time, yeah, they sit down here and you know, and, you know it will be reading stuff for us. Uh, you, know, and you, you get what I'm saying? But where God is calling him is different. We're talking about certain things and I'm saying, you know, I want to start, I'm doing this training outside um, and God is, um, I, I want to allocate certain positions in that training for church members so that they too can have opportunities and develop themselves. And that is where God is calling us to. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter 9. And I was, I was wondering this morning, I was saying, God, how will this sound end in spirituality? Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, now let's just, let's just go to the next slide. I just want to point out a couple of things to us as we go. Now, See, this is one thing I need us to also understand. How God writes his, his rules. In Leviticus, he said, when you finish it, now God did not say don't eat, don't get me wrong. He said, when you, um, when you plant and the harvest time comes, what did he say? He said, make sure when you are going to clear your harvest, clear the one inside. Leave the one on the edges to the poor. Why do you think God said that? When he said, leave, he said, you shall not wholly reap the whole corners of your field from when you reap, nor shall you gather any glean from your harvest. You shall leave it for the poor and the stranger. I am the Lord your God. So why did God say, when you want to, this is, let's say this is your farm. So God is saying, when you are going to harvest, harvest just the one inside. Leave the ones on the edges. Why do you think God said that? It's so that when a poor person is walking, if they don't have to walk to the midway, people will see them they are trying to beg. But when they are walking on the road, they just take a little and put it in their pockets without anybody seeing them. Because by the time they walk to the middle, people will say, ah, see, this person needs money. What God was telling his people, when you are giving, helping people, you need to make sure that they don't, they don't feel uncomfortable. So he said, when you're going to help them, I don't want people to be, so that because when they're walking on the road, they can quickly take something and, and move on. That's why God said, no, don't, you are the one, you are the one that holds the place. Clean everything inside, but leave the one on the edges. When you are, Raising people up, please, it is against God's law that you make them uncomfortable. If you do that, you have nothing to be God. It's 
speak with people with respect. You know, God help Nigerian embassy. Amen. I called them one day. I I feel the form. And they said, but they said, customer service. Well, I, I believe things must have changed better. Amen. Uh -huh. <laughs> can you not can you can you can you not listen? Can you not read? Ma, please ma. I'm, I'm just trying to understand. Okay, shut up, I'm talking now. Listen, I'm only talk once. Yes, ma. It's the truth. I was in you for when I was taking the call. So I know where I was talking. Yes, I said. Yes, ma. This as she was saying, as she was saying. This is, this is how you waste people's time. For you to read form online, you can't read. Did you go to school? Yes, ma'am. Please. It was if you encounter, if you encounter, you will be. That's what I said. You will pretend you are abroad. You get out there and say, God help us in Jesus' name. Now, most of the time, people have walked past God and failed to realize that when you treat a human being less than a human, yeah. you have devalued God. Yeah. And that's what God was saying. The priest came and said, oh, hallelujah. God said, what are they saying? They just, we honor you, Jesus. He said, no, you don't honor me. Let's bring this a little bit so that you know for those who want us to go very Amen. Hallelujah. So let's look at someone. Now, I've shared this before. Acts chapter Acts chapter nineteen talks about the fact that when see when the Bible talks about the handkerchief and the apron that was brought from the body of Paul. That handkerchief was healing people, and that apron was healing people. We've shared it over and over again. That apron is not um, Ileke or whatever it is. That apron that we're taking, because, can I next slide, please? This is how the apron, if Paul was to be alive today, this is how his apron would be. So, what is God saying? They took his personal work, what he was doing on a daily basis. People were touching him from there and he got healed. The last person I'm going to share with you and leave with you is Stephen. The Bible says that the Bible says that Stephen had the Bible says that in those days now the disciples multiplied and there was a complaint among the Hebrews and the Hellenists that the widows were being neglected. Now what was happening here again is because in the early church, you had the Jews, you had the non-Jews. So the Jews were looking after, because they were the ones who were in charge. So they were looking after their own widows, and they left the widows of the <laughs> other ones to go and fend for themselves. So Peter now said, okay, we are, this is what we are going to do. We are going to go and get me people who have the Spirit of God, who their job, please notice, their job is not to pray. He said their job is going to be to distribute food. That was what their job was supposed to be. And the Bible now says that 
Let's go on, please, because of our time. Now, it says, go to the next one, please. It says, it says, and he pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man who was filled with faith and the Holy Spirit, and uh, paramos and things like that. Let's go on, please. And Stephen was, let's go to verse, sorry, I've skipped one part, two slides ahead. Amen. Another one before, please. Okay. The Bible says that, okay, there's, I think verse 4 talks about the fact that when they appointed them, they were about to serve food. What did the priests, the apostles, they laid hands on them? Because although what you think that they were doing is natural, they are just managing things, they laid hands on them. And what happened? If you go to verse 8, please. The verse says, says that, it says, Stephen, filled with faith and with power, began to perform signs and wonders. Please, can I ask you the question, where was Stephen performing signs and wonders? In the kitchen. He wasn't the one preaching in church. He was in the kitchen. And I can imagine somebody who has what kind of sickness come and say, you know, I'm having ulcer. And I, and I need food. We don't have food at home. And Stephen will say, Think, may God heal you as you eat this food. And miracles began to happen. I can imagine people queuing up at the, at the, at the door of Stephen. What are you doing now? We want food. <laughs> Why? Because that food distribution, the hand of God came upon it. And it became a miracle center. If Stephen had said, My job is to preach, what would have happened? What we are believing God for is that as you step out to impact your community, the hand of God will come upon what you are doing, and miracles will begin to happen in those places. God has called us to do food bank. We are getting there. Ogatoro will be talking to us about it next week. But we just need to cross some heads, some, just to make sure that everything is approved by the council. But what I'm saying is that the idea is not that that place is going to be just another place where people come and eat. But people would come and eat see God, encounter God in those places. Does that make sense? God help us in Jesus' name. That's why it's okay. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon. Have a blessed week.